That was a uh, really uplifting and worshipful time, uh, preparing our hearts and filling them with some, some joy, because my sermon today kind of takes the other edge. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, I could really use a no, warm slippers and comfy kind of sermon. Well, no, this is more of like a shot of 151 and go cut some wood kind of sermons. Um, <laughs> But that's because we're going through the book of Matthew, and we've come to Matthew chapter 23. And the, the theme for this sermon that I see in all of Matthew 23 is humility over hypocrisy. Okay, humility over hypocrisy. And so that's the, the, the theme, and we're going to see Jesus repeat this quite a bit, uh, you know, hypocrisy. And it's such an important subject because many people stop practicing the faith. And when you ask them, well, what, what happened? Oftentimes they point to the hypocrisy in uh, the church or the hurt that was caused by them. And the thinking is, as well, if Jesus' followers don't really follow him, then you know, maybe I shouldn't. And it's a tragedy. And then, and then that's, that's true for all people, but then church leaders... When we act hypocritically or harmfully, that can do even more damage because the more influence you have, the more uh, damage one can do. And so when we look at the scandals in like uh, Mars Hill Church or Hillsong Church or, or even locally, some of you previous churches, uh, pastors were practice infidelity or um, financial um, bad stuff, whatever that word is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it causes more damage. And so that's why church leaders need to be more accountable because uh, we have more influence. So hypocrisy hurts. And in today's scripture, Jesus really tackles the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. And he warns people uh, against following these leaders because they're headed for judgment, not the kingdom. And he pronounces seven woes upon them. There's a refrain, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So let's define hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone whose actions disagree with um, their beliefs or what they say, uh, that they're somehow a fraud or an imposter. And so let's look at the context. That's Jesus. He's he, he, in chapter 23, and you might want to turn there because we didn't read it beforehand for time purposes, but we are going through the whole chapter, um, chapter 23, and the, and, the, and the context is conflict with religious leaders. That Jesus, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, proclaiming himself as the Messiah. He clears the temple, and now he's in conflict with the religious leaders. As we talked about last week, they are testing him. They are, they're trying to trap him. And before the week is out, they will conspire to kill him. And right there, we can see, all right, there's some hypocrisy there in that these, they claim to want God's kingdom to come, but yet they're fighting the one who's bringing that kingdom in, Jesus. And they are blocking the door to those who are following him in uh, to the kingdom. So even there, there's this hypocrisy. You say you want the kingdom. Jesus is bringing in the kingdom. So that's the context of our scripture. Let's look, let's read the first part, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. You can read in your pew Bibles. It'll be on the screen. You can look it on your phone. Uh, but let's look. 
chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, so we'll stop there. Jesus, he tells the crowd to respect the message of God that is coming through the scribes and Pharisees that they're entrusted with. Trust the message because they sit on the seat of Moses. So pay attention to their teaching because their teaching is actually from God. But then he says, but don't do what they practice because they practice hypocrisy, right? It says in verse three, for they preach, but do not practice. That's the definition of hypocrisy is doing one thing and saying another. But notice here, it's important, Jesus says, not to reject the message of God, even if the messengers need correction. And he points out their hypocrisy in a couple of different ways that, uh, you know, he says that they'll often tell other people what to do, but don't do it themselves. This goes back to the Sermon on the Mount where so easily, we so easily see hypocrisy in other people, but don't see it in ourselves. We so often see the sins of other people, but not ourselves. We often also are able to tell people what they should do, right? Everyone always has ideas of what you should do about your sin, but we don't do it ourselves. But the other thing is these hypocrites, they're also more concerned with looking good than doing good. They, Jesus says, you make your phylacteries big and your fringes long. Now, they say, what in the world's a phylactery? Well, uh, it'll be on the screen. This is more modern Jewish practice, but they did it way back then too, is that a phylactery is something where it holds scripture. So it's a little box and you would put scripture in it and then you would wear that as a way to keep God's word close to you. And Jesus is saying to them, well, you, when you have your phylactery, you make it nice and big, gigantic. So people will say, wow, man, he really loves the word of God. Look at the size of that phylactery. It's kind of like us carrying one of those gigantic Bibles, you know, look, well, see, um, and the fringes is on the prayer shawls, right? They would have fringes and um, almost like the rosary beads that each fringe, you would, you would say a prayer with it. So you'd have a nice long fringe to say you can do a real long prayer. And so Jesus, he's calling them out because, again, they're more concerned with looking good, looking spiritual, rather than being faithful from the inside out. He says that, you know, they also seek recognition in the seats of honor so that people will say, oh, this person, look at how honorable he is. He, he needs the, the best seat and the titles of honor, being called rabbi or father or teacher. And Jesus says to his followers, in, in contrast, you know, you don't do that. You seek God's glory. You seek God's honor, not your own. 
And we see this theme throughout the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus talks about the humble will be exalted, um, that the greatest among you shall be your servants. So he says that, you know, when it comes to the kingdom, we choose humility over hypocrisy. Again, that's the theme, humility over hypocrisy. And God, if you humble yourself before God, if we humble ourselves, then God will exalt us. So that's the theme. Choose humility over hypocrisy. Now, before we get on to the rest of the scripture, I just want to sort of point out an important application I don't want us to miss. And that is, don't let hypocrisy keep you from God's kingdom. And what I mean by that is the hypocrisy in you, but also the hypocrisy in other people. Because, you know, the hypocrisy in us can keep us from the kingdom, and that's a sin. And if we don't repent of that, you know, that keeps us from the kingdom. But also the hypocrisy in others, that many times folks who no longer practice the Christian faith, they point to hypocrisy. Well, why, why should, and maybe that's some of you today, maybe you're just coming back to church, you've been hurt or burned by people and, and um, experienced that hypocrisy. Maybe you're watching online and you've experienced that. Well, don't let other people's hypocrisy keep you from the kingdom, right? Follow, we follow God. We don't follow other people. That, that uh, realize that Christians, uh, Christian leaders, we're fallible human beings, just like you. So when our words and our practices don't match, you still be faithful. You still pursue Jesus. Don't throw away God's message because of the messengers. You know, in a previous church that I served, I took over for a pastor who actually left the faith. And I remember one of the church members came up to me and said, you know, I came to faith under his ministry. And now he doesn't even believe? Well, what about my baptism? And I said to that person, you were baptized into Christ. You were not baptized into this person. Just like Jesus said, you know, the Pharisees, they're in the seat of Moses, so pay attention as they teach Moses, but don't do what they do. God's word is powerful. It's sure, regardless of the messenger. And we follow Christ and understand that all of us who are followers, whether we're called teachers or whatever, we're fallen, we're fallible. And so don't let other people's hypocrisy keep you from pursuing Jesus. Perhaps some of you know others who've been hurt by church folks, or maybe some of you know folks who are deconstructing. Okay, that's a, a big buzzword today in the faith is people are deconstructing their faith. And when you talk to folks who are deconstructing, you say, well, what's, what's gone? What's changed? Why aren't you, know, why aren't you, um, you know, practicing Christianity anymore? A lot of times, not all, but most of the time, they'll point toward to, well, you know, these people, they don't practice what they preach. They often point to followers of Jesus and how messed up we are. They'll be like, oh, these folks, they mix, you know, politics and religion. They do this and this. And if you know someone like that, I would encourage you to ask them a question. And that is this. Well, what about Jesus has changed? Get folks' minds back on Jesus. Because usually folks who are deconstructing stuff, they don't have a problem with Jesus. 
They have a problem with his followers. And so get people's eyes back on Jesus. What about Jesus has changed? You see, our faith is in Jesus. It's not infallible and frail human beings. And so as leaders or as a messenger, as a Christian, we need to, yes, practice what we preach. But if you've been hurt by the church, if you've been hurt by someone who calls Christian, understand that don't let their hypocrisy, don't let our hypocrisy keep you from Jesus. Now, as a Christian, though, we need to do our level best to repent of our hypocrisy and choose humility to practice what we preach. We have a responsibility to flee hypocrisy if we're Christians because it destroys faith. It destroys faith in other people, but it also destroys our own faith. That's why Jesus, he pronounces woe upon the Pharisees and scribes in this next section because their hypocrisy, all hypocrisy, will be judged. It's not a part of God's kingdom. And so now let's look at this next section, Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 36, where again, Jesus will have a series of woes. He's going to say, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then each woe is an example of their hypocrisy. And all of these woes that Jesus points out, they, they hit on themes that Jesus talks about in other parts of the book of Matthew, specifically the Sermon on the Mount. And so they're going to be grouped into groups of two, and they actually have seven woes. Now, if you, I think I've told you this before, but seven is the number of completion in Scripture. So usually if it's seven, it's something like, you know, complete woe, right? It's, this is a representative of the complete woe that um, is coming upon them. And so, I don't know, maybe that's the new title of the Too Fast, Too Furious movie, you know, complete woe or utter woe. But... Um, <laughs> But that's the idea. There's seven woes, there's a complete woe. So, but we're going to go through them just a chunk at a time. So first, uh, chapter 23, verses 13 through 15. Jesus continues. He says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter it yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single process convert and when he becomes a convert you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves okay so for those who think jesus only speaks you know like with warm fuzzies um this particular chapter says no jesus will bring it when needed and here in this little section he is pronouncing woe for the hypocrisy of keeping people out of the kingdom of god that we say or that the pharisees say we're trying to expand now, it's important to understand that Jesus, he's Jewish. These are even, even the scribes and Pharisees, these are his people. But yet they're shutting the door on the Messiah who they say they've been waiting for. They're shutting the door, door on the Messiah who is inviting all sorts of people into the kingdom. That They'll even go across oceans to make a convert, but yet they're converting them to false teaching, which leads them to hell, doesn't lead them to God's kingdom. So whether it's the Pharisees or us today, even if we claim to be spiritual, even if we claim to be all about God's kingdom, our false teaching can actually shut the door to the very kingdom that we say that we're serving. All right, if we're going to get through all this woe, I need to continue. So verse 16 now through 24. 
And Jesus continues. He says, woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is the greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So here Jesus pronounces woes for the hypocrisy of misplaced priorities, confused priorities. What is happening here, that first woe, is that when it, there was a, a teaching that, all right, if you swear by, let's say, a ram, a ram that you, are, you could give as a sacrifice, uh, you know, to God at the temple, that if you swear by that ram, it is more binding than if you swear by the temple itself. And the thinking was, well... You know, because you're not supposed to bear false witness. If you make a promise and put that ram there, it's like I promised by the, the head of this ram that if you end up lying, well, we can take the, the ram from you because you own it. But we can't take the temple away from you. So if you swear by the temple, it's not as serious as swearing by the, the ram that you're bringing to the temple. And Jesus is just saying to you, where's your priorities? Your value system is so messed up that you would hold this sacrifice to be of higher value than the one you're sacrificing it to. So that's why he pronounces this hypocrisy. Mixed up priorities, mixed up value systems that can happen to us when we start, um, you know, parsing things and trying to figure out and having all of these religious systems piled upon the simple faith of loving God and loving people. And that's what's happening with the scribes and Pharisees. But then he also talks about this other mixed up priority in that he says, you will... You're so particular. You so pay so much attention on making sure that you give your 10% of everything. Now, don't get me wrong. Giving 10% to God, that's, that's good. Jesus says that's good. But he says you'll even focus on making sure you give 10% of your garden herbs. Now, does anyone here grow uh, mint in their garden? Anyone else? Yeah, you know if you have mint in your garden, right? It just takes over. It's like a weed. It's basically worthless because everyone can grow mint. Even when you don't want to grow it, it grows. <laughs> and they will make sure they give 10% of that mint, even though it's almost worthless. Jesus says, you'll, you're so particular about that, but you'll neglect the, the bigger issues like justice and faith. So many times I see this hypocrisy in us where we will, we just have this little thing where we pay so much close attention to this one little issue and it's a secondary issue, but we'll neglect the big things. Like loving God and loving people. Oh, but 
I've, I've tithed 10% of my mint. Well, have you loved God and loved people? That's what Jesus, he's calling these folks out. And that's why, you know, at our church, we have this, our mission is to worship God, to love people and grow Christ followers. We've looked at the scriptures and said, all right, what is God calling us to do as a church? What's the main thing that we must do? And it's those things. So we can be doing all sorts of other things, but if we're not doing those things, we're not a success because those are the priorities of God's heart. So we can be... Um, we can be hypocrites in that we pursue things of secondary value and take pride in those even while we're missing out on the main things. But we need to keep the main things the main things. That's why also we have uh, core convictions. When you become a member at the church, we talk about core convictions. These are the non-negotiables. These are the, the convictions that sort of define Christianity. We say we cling on to these really tight. But when it comes to secondary issues, we can disagree. We don't focus on those things. Now, why? Why do we do that? Is it because we're wishy-washy? No, it's because of this. We don't want to strain out a gnat and swallow a camel where we pay so much attention to this tiny little thing. And, oh, we, we've got the gnat out. In the meantime, we've swallowed a camel. And that's kind of gross. Either way, it's gross. <laughs> but swallowing a camel... And so I see that in Christendom so much where we will focus and put so much energy on a, some secondary issue. Well, here at Second Baptist, we don't do that. It's not that these things aren't important and they shouldn't be discussed. It's that we don't want to be like, oh, I've got all my ducks in a row. I've got all the check marks checked off. And yet we're swallowing a camel, even though we got all the gnats taken care of. All right, there's more woes. So I got to get to these woes. Um, Second part, um, 25 and 28, Jesus continues. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, and within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ouch. Here Jesus is saying, that you, he's pronouncing woe for um, the the hypocrisy of focusing on the outside instead of the inside of things, of being careful uh, more, we care more about how things look than how things actually are. Okay, and he pronounces this woe upon the Pharisees, but wow, this hits home to us as well, doesn't it? That we'll often, we're more concerned, again, with how things look to the world than how things look to God. And Jesus, he says, you know, you clean the outside of the cup, but as we all know, isn't it more important to clean the inside of the cup? He says, he calls them whitewashed tombs. And when we are uh, doing this, we are like whitewashed tombs in that on the outside, everything's beautiful. We make sure the outside is, is, is nice. Uh, so put that, so here's a sarcophagus, right? Notice the beauty and the artistry in that, right? Uh, so, and, and then they were often covered with gold. But what's on the inside of that? It's a mummy, right? I mean, this, on Tuesday, people might dress as, as mummies, right? Dead, dead people. 
Well, the sarcophagus, beautiful on the outside. In many tombs, if you go to them, they are ornate. The Taj Mahal actually is a tomb. Beautiful and ornate. But when it comes down to it, on the inside, death and deadness. Many times, we are more concerned. This is sort of the hypocrisy of externalism. Again, we'd rather look spiritual than be faithful. So many examples, but sometimes we focus on, you know, I want to I look good. So we, we, we dress nice and we're polite and we have all of the, the, the social courtesies. But in our hearts, we may be judging the person next to us. That would be an example. Or when we perhaps gather together, you know, we, we want to see everything you know, is, is everything in place? Do things look good? You know, is, is this here? Is that there? Um, do, are, are they doing my favorite elements? Are they, they singing the song that I like? And we can be seeing, you know, things, how they look on the, ex, on the outside, but not asking our questions. But, okay, but is it a worship service? <laughs> You know, we, we sang these great songs of worship, and I can't help but always ask myself, all right, but God, am I actually worshiping you? Am I enjoying the worship service, or am I worshiping? In other words, am I saying, God, you are worthy of all things? And so many times when we express that, there should be this part in us that says, I, my words can't even express, God, how worthy you are. No matter how many songs we sing, no matter what we do, Lord, you are to be glorified. And so do we settle for having a nice service as opposed to asking ourselves, God, did I take a step towards you today? Lord Jesus, did I take a step towards you? Because if I didn't, then I didn't worship. But so many times we settle for externalism instead of the heart of the matter. All right, I don't know if we're ready for this last woe. Um, but we got to get through. Verse 29 through 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate, decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then by measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So here, Jesus is pronouncing woe, for not being humble and repentant about the past. So these folks, what they're doing is instead of, instead of sort of realizing, hey, our forefathers or, you know, the, the, our, our ancestors, you know, did some pretty bad things, and therefore we're not going to do that. They said, yeah, we're different. This is the hypocrisy of exceptionalism. No, we're different. That, we, we won't do that. If, in fact, if we lived at that time, oh, we, we wouldn't have done that sin. Which, despite history repeating itself in the Bible, but also just in regular history as well, it calls for introspection. It calls for humility. 
But again, instead of humility, they chose the hypocrisy of exceptionalism. Oh, we're different, we're special. But Jesus says, but you're actually gonna not only do the same thing that you said you wouldn't do, but you're gonna go even further. You killed the pro- your, your, parent, your ancestors killed the prophets, and now you're gonna kill the Messiah. So anytime we have an uncritical approach to our traditions or to our history, then we're prone to repeat those same mistakes that we say we would never do. My friends, there are some tragic chapters of church history. The Crusades, the religious wars after the Protestant Reformation, the support of Jim Crow laws in the South by preachers, and also, even on a local level, we, you, you probably have, have, are familiar with, with uh, you know, other churches or other pastors who, again, there was abuse there or there was you know, infidelity, both financial or marital or whatever. And we can think, oh, that's them. We, we would never do that. No, we need to choose humility over hypocrisy. Because why do we think that we're different? And we set ourselves up for hypocrisy when we say, oh, we're different, we'll never do that. And then when we mistake, when we fall, then it has an even bigger effect. It makes us even more hypocritical. So those are seven woes. Seven woes, complete woe, which matches the concluding verse that all the wickedness and bloodshed that they've committed will come back upon them as their place will be taken away, as the parables in Matthew 22 displayed. We read those parables last week. And all these woes will result in the Roman destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Their house will be left uh, desolate. But note, especially in the, right now in the climates, even though I know I'm going to go long, I want to make sure I say this because in the, the, the virulent anti-Semitism that is bursting out everywhere, I need to say this. Notice Jesus says, truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is not a forever curse of, against the Jewish people or whatever. Remember, Jesus was Jewish. Uh, God, in fact, God still has a plan for the Jewish people. Read Romans 11, 25 through 27. So we need to be careful not to uh, pile all this anti-Semitism on this thing. This is Jesus is saying this is going to happen, and it happened for that generation. That generation of, of religious leaders, this is not a forever curse by any means. And even then, not all of the religious leaders of that generation had all this woe come upon them. I mean, they all suffered the destruction of the uh, temple by Rome in 70 AD, and then in 135 AD, the, the total destruction by Rome. But even all, some, not all the leaders were this way. Um, Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea. Again, Jesus was Jewish. All his followers were Jewish, um, you know, his first layer of followers. And so I just wanted to point that out. But nonetheless, all of these woes of this hypocrisy is going, are going to be judged. But I also want you to notice this last little part. Jesus does not rejoice that these religious leaders are finally going to get the woe they deserve. No, let's read what he says. He laments that they have chosen hypocrisy. He laments when we chose hypocrisy over humility. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, 
How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus laments over the woe that he has just pronounced on them. Because God didn't want to destroy. But yet they chose hypocrisy over humility. In fact, God is even going to use their sin, their hypocrisy to bring about redemption for the world. As, as the Messiah is killed, but he rises from the dead. He is opening up the kingdom of God to all sorts of people, both Jew and Gentile. And again, one of the great things about this Engage Month is we get to see, well, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he opens up the kingdom to people of every tongue, tribe, and nation, Jew and Gentile. So he even uses that sin, although he pronounces woe upon it, God even uses that woe and that destruction to further his purposes. God can do that. He can bring redemption through destruction and through sin. He did it with Jesus. And so the applications of these woes, I ask you as I ask myself, do we see any examples of this type of hypocrisy in ourselves. I do. I do all the time. But hypocrisy is damaging. It is damaging to our faith and the faith of others. The others who see it and say, you know, why should I follow this Jesus when his followers don't even? My friends, that's why we need to choose humility over hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And when we do that, then even God, God, we represent God's forgiveness. So when, when we acknowledge the hypocrisy in us, that just tells people, you know why? That's why I need Jesus. It doesn't excuse our hypocrisy, but it says, yeah, I sin. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes that sin is hypocrisy. And that is why I need Jesus. I can't on my own save myself. I on my own am prone to wander. I'm prone to hypocrisy. That's why I need Jesus. I need his redemption. See, hypocrisy shouldn't repel us. It should cause us to run to Jesus. But again, so many times hypocrisy keeps us from Jesus because we don't even see how we're not truly following him. But it also keeps other people from Jesus. No, choose humility over hypocrisy. And because if you see any of that hypocrisy in yourself, I want to give you some good news. Just like Jesus said the lament over Jerusalem, he wants to, he, how much he wanted to gather his children together as a, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Second Peter 3.9 says, God is not wishing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Jesus wants us to come to him. Yes, even with our hypocrisy, and it confess that. And while our hypocrisy breaks the covenant of Moses, so we deserve the same woe that Jesus pronounced upon um, the scribes and Pharisees, God made a new covenant through the blood of Jesus so that our hearts can be healed. So choose humility Choose the Messiah's humble sacrifice over hypocrisy, the hypocrisy that we still see in ourselves. And my friends, it's a continual process, a continual choosing of humility over hypocrisy. 
And so if you're here and the hypocrisy of others has caused you to question Jesus, caused you to question your faith, don't let the hypocrisy of other people keep you from humbly pursuing Jesus and his kingdom. But maybe you see the hypocrisy in yourself. Let's humbly apply the word of God and the spirit so that we have a wholeness to our lives. And so what we say matches what we do. What's, ma what's on the outside matches what's on the inside. And it all matches God's revealed will, his promises and his plan. My friends, it is a daily task, but we must choose humility, not hypocrisy. Let's pray. Dear God, we confess how we so often walk in hypocrisy and not humility. So I, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move about this place and you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you would show us how our words and our deeds aren't matching. Um, Lord, so that we would run to you. And Lord, as we sing this last song, yes, it's a song where perhaps we felt conviction, but also, Lord, it's a song of thanks that you have, you have made us right with yourself so that we can be with you forever. But Lord, your kingdom is not a kingdom of hypocrisy. It's a kingdom of justice and mercy and love and a wholeness to our hearts, a wholeness between what we do and what we say. Lord, we long for that day, but do a work in us. Lord, we confess these things, but we also rejoice that we cannot, we won't be defined by these things, but rather, Lord, we, we, we step into your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.